0: We're talking about uh, a man trying to perform Kiddushin by giving her something that is prohibited behanaat, even get any benefit from, uh, so that in, in these cases, the Kiddushin is invalid. So now we have a story about this. So we have Morihuda. Um, who found Rav Yosef and Rav Shemuel uh, who were standing at the entrance to the house of Rabbah. Okay, good. So they're all standing at the house of Haraba, who's their teacher, and Mor Yudah comes along and finds these other two students. Amar lehu, Tanya, haMekadesh BePeter Hamor beBasar BeChala, BeChulin Shenichhatu BaAzara, Rabbi Shimon Omer Mikudaset, HaChamim Omerim, ena Mikudaset, Alma, Chulin Shenichhatu BaAzara, Rabbi Shimon, Lav DeOrayta. So he some, he's going to present a question based on the following beraita. And if a man tries to do kiddushin with a firstborn Hamod or with food that was meat and was cooked with milk, or an unconsecrated animal that was uh, slaughtered in the bet mikdash courtyard, the Bishimon says it's fine. The kiddushin is good. Hachamim, like our Mishnah, say it's not good. Okay. According to this, we see that an unconsecrated animal that is um uh, that is slaughtered in the in the Azarah. The Bishimon says it's not a deoraita prohibition. Is no' it's not it's not a prohibition to benefit from it. and therefore it uh, has value. you can benefit from it, you can sell it, you can give it as a gift, and you can use it for Kiddushin according to the bishimon. Here's the problem. But we have another statement in another B'raita where Rabbi Shimon says that unconsecrated animal that was slaughtered in the Azara you cannot use it. You have to burn it. A chaya also, even though chaya is not a uh, cannot be consecrated. It cannot be used as a sacrifice. Nevertheless, shechita of a of, of a chaya cannot be done in. Um, uh, cannot be done in the azara, and if it is, then you cannot get benefit from it. You have to burn it. Some things that are prohibited by the eye you have to bury, other things you have to burn. So here we have a contradiction, and the other two uh, students, Rav Yosef and Rav Shmuel, they had no answer. So, luckily, they're at the, at the door of Rabbah, to the Kamed Rabbah. So, they went and asked him. He says a great line. Apparently, the quarrel someone has, uh, has stood you up or stumped you. In other words, he, had a, he was known for doing things like this. He's a third generation Amorah, and he would often try to stump his colleagues and uh, maybe teachers too. And so this is apparently, yeah, he, uh, you, you, this the quarrelsome one, Mori Huda, has uh, gotten to you and brought up this question. But don't worry about it, I have an answer. Here in the first B'dayta, we're talking about, yes, it's true, you took an unconsecrated animal and you did Shechita in the courtyard, but the reason why... The kiddushin works is because it ended up being a terefah. It was found there afterwards that it was it had a, had a blemish, had a hole in its lungs, and was going to die anyway. And therefore, that shechita is not considered shechita. And that's what, because that's the Bishimon's opinion elsewhere. The Tanya hasuratet a terefah v'chena shurat vid miset terefah ze holin ba azara. The Bishimon Matir b'ana achamim osirim. The teaches that someone takes a terefa animal, maybe it's one that you know is terefa, or it has something on the outside um, that you can see even while it's alive, that's terefa. Or, if you can't tell that from the outside, then you do shechita, but you find, find out that is, it, it is terefa, both cases... Are considered ba'azara um, uh, according to Tanakama. However, Rabbi Shimon says it's okay. You can uh, you can get benefit from it. Hachamim, however, say that you cannot get benefit. Why? Why does Rabbi Shimon say you can get benefit from it? Because he says that shichita that doesn't allow think uh, something to be. Eaten and that makes it co- to make it kosher is not called a shekhita, unlike Chachamim. They say, although it turned out to be a terefa, that shekhita is still legally designated as shekhita, and therefore you did shekhita of an unconsecrated animal in the azara. Even though it turns out it's terefa and it's not kosher and you can't eat it, nevertheless, that shekhita is a legal shekhita. And therefore, it's prohibited b'hanaa. Rabbi Shimon says no, since it turned out to be terefa or was terefa to begin with, that shechita is not a shechita. It would be the same as if you uh, would would die or kill it in some other way, um, where that's not called shechita, and therefore it's prohibited b'hanaa. This is different from the case in the second b'raita, that was talking about when you did proper shechita, and it was not terefa. It was uh, kosher, and you could eat it after. normally, in other words, there was no terefa otherwise, then that is a real shechita. And in that case, it would be prohibited and you have to burn it. Um, so that's the uh, difference between the cases. So, so you shouldn't have worried so much about Mori He was just setting you up with, uh, for, uh, uh, to stump you. But really, the cases are talking about two different uh, situations. Okay, Mechadan V'Kiddush B'Dmehen kudesh at the end of the Mishnah says that if any of the items on the list that are subhanah in the Mishnah, if one would take them and sell it and get money for it and use the money for Kiddushin, it's okay. Uh, so how do we know that this is okay? I mean, uh, even though when something Subhana has no value, has no monetary value, because no one can use it, okay. But if you find someone who's willing to pay for it, maybe a nanzu or whatever, and then you get the money, so um, the holiness or prohibition that's on that item does not transfer to the money. Uh, but if you get the money and the, the, the buyer gives you that money. And it's yours, and you do kiddushin. The kiddushin is valid. How do we know? Okay. How do we know that this is true in general? Well, because the Torah reveals that it is true regarding avodah zarah. Avodah zarah the pasuk says that don't have any avodah zarah and if you do, it will you will be. Uh, banned just like it, All right? Okay, so what does that mean? That vehayita literally just means that you also, you know, if you can associate with that, then you'll be banned. And certainly the idolatry has to be banned. So we learn from this v'hayita, Midrash says, anything that you create from that meaning any money that you um, receive by selling an uh, idolatry will also be prohibited just like it so if if with idolatry i sell idolatry and i get money for it that money is prohibited and has also not is not usable i can't use it for kiddushin this is a special law for idolatry uh, but since the torah only says it regarding idolatry we can infer that all other laws are not like that for other laws even if an item is prohibited and has prohibited bahana and has no value if i switch it for money the money is usable he gave it to me fair he gave it to me and so it's mine so i can use it so that's how we know Dazara is an exception and everything else um, you can use the money. Now we ask, why not use Avodazara as a paradigm, as a binyan Av and say just like regarding Avodazara, that's a all money would also be prohibited. Why don't we say that that's a paradigm? And all the other things on this list are Also, you cannot use the money and kiddushin. Because you're right, you would be used it as Av except that there's another law, Shav. That also is a subhana'a. And there, as we're gonna see in a second, you can't redeem it for money the, the it and the money will become prohibited and since you have two examples, so two if the Torah gives you two examples, then it 's saying these two examples are the exceptions. See if we wanted to say this is a paradigm for all others, then you'd have just one example and then, now we know it 's a paradigm but the Torah going out of its way to give two examples means those two and only two we don 't learn to anything else We already saw what Avodah should we eat my he what's the source that should be eat also you cannot transfer. The prohibition and the and the money also will be prohibited. This is actually talking about Yovel, but the laws of Yovel are the same as Shavit regarding the uh, uh, agriculture uh, things that are grown that you can't um, uh, take and use. Um, for uh, for uh, you can't you can't buy and sell, and so it says your veil is kodesh, uh, just, like, uh, just like something that is holy. If I consecrate some item, um, then uh, and I transfer that kedusha to money, the kiddushah transfers to money. So too, if I take shviit, I have some uh, the stuff that I'm hoarding and that I'm not allowed to, to have shviit produce, and I say, you know what? I'm going to transfer the shviit holiness to this money. It does transfer to the money. Here's the thing: but now you might think that it's exactly the same, and just like something that's consecrated, if I consecrate some uh, fruit right and i say this is consecrated to the temple and then i transfer it to money in that case it does get transferred if i transfer myself my house whatever my animal uh the monetary uh monetarily and i transfer it to money it works it, uh, and then the mo- only the money is holy and the item is no longer holy so since you're making a comparison your veil is the same as kodesh should i say the same for shivirate that uh, i can transfer the holiness to money and then the money has shivite status but the produce no longer does therefore the pasuk says no not so um, means it shall be it remains in its stat, in its state the shivite produce remains prohibited and the money is also prohibited which is exactly how what happens to avodazara also if i transfer the prohibition of avodazara to the money avodaz is prohibited and the money is prohibited so these are two cases that are the same and therefore we don't learn from them to others now we're going to illustrate the case of shivirit kesad lakach perot shivirit basad it doesn't have to be money it could be any other item if i uh I take some fruit uh uh produce of uh uh of shivirit and I switch it for meat. I I barter right here. You take this and I'll take the meat. What happens? Both of them have the law of Shivait. Ba'arim means I have to get rid of it. The law of Shavu'it is I if I take uh you know a few um uh, a, a few uh, vegetables from the garden, I'm allowed to take it and eat it. It's free for, for anyone to take. I can take from my garden, from your garden, any garden, as long as there's still stuff there in the fields. However, once there's no more left in the field, then anything that I have in my house that I'm storing, I have to get rid of, right? To go and uh, uh, either destroy it or go and give it out uh, so that anyone else can take it. You're not allowed to hoard it. Um, so now, if I switch, should we eat uh, pro, uh, fruits with meat, then when that cutoff time comes, the meat also has the same thing. I have to get rid of it. Um, so you see, it has the same law. Both the fruit keeps it and the meat. Now, here's the thing the meat will have uh, a leniency that <inaudible> if I then exchange the meat that's prohibited with fish and I, I take the fish, so then the meat becomes permitted and the prohibition transfers to the fish. If I then trade that for wine, then the fish is permitted and the wine is prohibited. It keeps going on forever. Then the prohibition will go on the oil if I switch the wine for the oil. So what's the general rule? For the things that I barter, only the last item that I take will have uh, prohibition, but the original fruit remains prohibited. So there you go. That's the case of eat So now I see idolatry and Shiv'iit are unique in that they remain prohibited in themselves and any money or other item that I switch for it also becomes prohibited. So, in these two cases, if I would get money or something else uh, in exchange for Avodazara Shevi'it and I try to do Kiddushin with it, it will be no good because the same that money is also prohibited. But these are two Kitubim and therefore we do not ex- uh, derive other things from it. So, therefore, all the other things that even though they themselves are a Surba'ana'ah. If I would try to transfer that prohibition or holiness to some to money, it doesn't transfer. The money remains permitted. Good. Okay, that's all according to the opinion that says, if you have two examples, then that's it. it limited to those two examples, and they don't teach anything else but there is another opinion that it, we do t- learn from uh, for other things meuteketi yeah, but these two um avodasarah and um have an extra word that say that limit the law only to these what's the extra word ketiv ha kiherem hu ketivatam yovel hi hi in mid'achreina la regarding avodasarah says it is khere meaning only it and its um uh and the and the things that it that you switch it for so that's only avodah and for Yovel says veil he meaning only it and its replacements are prohibited but not other, not other prohibitions, and so that's the derivation of the second part of, of that Mishnah. And now we're going to go on to the next Mishnah. Hamikdash b'trumot b'masrot b'matanot v'mehatat v'efelhatat halezo mekudeshet vafilu Yisrael. If a man gives a woman teruma. Let's say it's a uh, Israel and he has tzeduma that he separated from his produce. Now this tzeduma he has to give to a to a kohen. Now he has the right to decide which kohen he's going to give it to, and that kohen will be thankful to him. So there is some benefit that he can he can get. We're going to call this tovatanaa, as we'll see, the benefit of discretion so but uh, so i have to give it to a kohen that's the right that i have as a israel farmer over it um, but it doesn't actually belong to me it belongs to a kohen um same thing with masrot that i have to give either to a levi or to an ani or other matanot if i uh, do shechita on a regular unconsecrated animal i have to give the foreleg the cheeks and the stomach of the animal to a kohen every animal that anyone does shechita to unconsecrated those parts go to a kohen, uh, um, and also mehatat. if one is preparing para aduma, you have the two parts of it, efer hatat, the ashes, that you take this red cow and you burn it down to ashes, and then you have to get water, special spring water that you mix with the ashes that you will um, uh, uh, sprinkle on the person. Now, in all these cases, if someone does Kiddushin, the Kiddushin is valid, even if the person giving the Kiddushin to a woman is a Yisrael. Uh, of, uh, uh, certainly, if it's a Kohen or Levi, because a Kohen, this is his Terumah, he has monetary ownership over it, if someone gives him his tiruma. um, so then he has monetary ownership, so for sure it's good. But here's the Kiddush, even if it's a Yisrael, um, it's good. Okay, it seems to be that the reason for this is that there is tovatana'a, at least in the first three cases, right, that I have discretion as the farmer to give it to this kohen. So if I give this this tirumah, although it belongs to a kohen, and I give it to a woman, I say, at at li, then she has that benefit of discretion. She can't use the uh, tiruma, she can't eat it or anything. But now she can decide, oh, I'm going to give it to my friend, my favorite Kohen, and he'll be thankful to me. So that's, there is value there um, that can be transferred. Okay, so now the Gemma is going to analyze. Ola said, there's the machloket about this, but he sides that with, the, uh, with the opinion that, this benefit of discretion, discretion, of discretion does not have monetary value. So this is going to be a problem. How's he going to explain this Mishnah? So in fact, that's what we ask. Our Mishnah says if you use matanot, all have I have discretion. I can give it to any kohen or Levi that I want. Uh, the kiddushin is good, and even if I'm Israel and so I certainly don't own it, still it's good. Doesn't that prove that tovatanaah does have monetary value? And I, if I give that to a woman, then I'm giving something that actually has mon- mon- monetary value. It's not the monetary value of the produce. Produce might be uh, worth a hundred dollars, but the monetary value of the benefit that I get from this kohen being my friend maybe it's worth five dollars. But that's it. That's good. That's sufficient to do kiddushin says this Mishnah. He says you're right. If it was talking about regular teruma that I have from my own field that I grew some stuff and I now I separated teruma that has no value, no no discretionary discretionary value is nothing. That's not what the in that case kiddushin would not be good. Rather, this Mishnah is talking about Israel who received an inheritance from his mother's father. His mother's father is a kohen. So this kohen had tebel, uh, which is mixed uh, uh, untithed produce, and uh, he died, and now I got the inheritance. So now I own tebel. But we also think that um, uh, tebel even though you didn't separate if someone didn't yet separate the gifts, the Tirumah, Ma said, it's as if it's already separated. In other words, we consider table to be a mixture of Tirumot, Masrot, and Holin. Where it's all mixed up, and so someone has to come and separate and says, look, okay, I'm getting this this part is one and this part as the other. But even before it's separated, this or the Turuma is already mixed in there. Therefore, when it belonged to the Kohen, the grandpa Kohen, before he died, it was as if there was Tiruma here that he owned. He had monetary ownership over it, and uh, he uh, um, could have separated it and eaten it himself. But now he died, and now it goes to me. I'm a Yisrael. But yet I own this mixture, including the tirumah in it. Um, Now, I own it monetarily. I can't eat it myself because I'm a Yisrael, but I can sell it. Let's say it's $100 worth of tedumah in there. I can sell it for all $100, right? Because um, I inherited its monetary value. And so in this case, if I take this table and I give it to uh, a woman, the truth is it could be the same. It would be the same law if I inherited tedumah itself. Let's say right, the grandfather had separated it and now it was just Tirumah and I inherited that Tirumah, there'll be the same law. Okay, we're just learning an extra chidush here, that even if it's Tebel, and I inherit it, still, uh, we consider it as if the Tirumah value was already there, and I inherit that value, and I can give that to a woman, and then she has the value of the Tidumah, even if she's a, a Bat Yisrael, she can sell it to a Kohen, for its full value and that's what i was talking about yes uh um the uh we actually have the value of that teruma because it's not s- produce that i separated from my own field where i have to give it as a gift i can't sell it but i if i inherit it then i own its monetary value and i can sell it now on the subject uh what is the law this benefit of discretion. is that have monetary value or not? So it's a simple Mishnah. The Mishnah says that you can take these various various gifts and if a man gives it to the woman, that Kiddushin is good, even if the man is a Israel. So we can prove from here, as we just tried to prove that Tova Tana'ah is considered monetary value. The Kiddushin is good. Answers back. He was asked the question in the first place. He says, Yeah, but we already analyzed this Mishnah, and we already said that it's only talking about a case of a Israel who received an inheritance from his maternal grandfather kohen um that was uh, that owned tevel, and that died and now he inherited this tevel. so therefore he has the monetary ownership over the entire table including the terumah that is mixed up within it uh, which is as if it's already separated and therefore belong to the kohen and now belongs to israel so you already said that so we're talking about that case and therefore uh, there is no proof from here regarding tovatana mammon or not i said oh you are hot which sounds like you are out right you are rejected um, and so Rabbi was embarrassed. So what, what happened? What did I say wrong? I, I, I learned that. I just learned that the other day from my teacher. s'avar Now Rabbi Thought that Rav Hunah was talking about what he was teaching, and he said, What well, you just taught is out, right? This is a bad thing that you taught. That's not what the Mishnah means. And so he's embarrassed that he, he, um, he said this thing that was wrong. And Rav says, No, no, I wasn't talking about you, that you are Hotza'ah. Rather, I was talking, I, I, what I meant to say is, You are like the Rabbi of Hutsal I guess the lamed at the end kind of got dropped off in communication. He says, uh, what I was telling you is that you follow the opinion of Rav from the place of Hutzal. You are a Hutzalite. Um, And that he says, according to he explains the Mishnah, as you do. And that's why, uh, yes, you're right. According to that interpretation that we're talking only about a case where of, of an inheritance of Tebel, it includes tziruma, and includes uh, then and and if you say the Mishnah is only talking about that case, then certainly that's mon- has monetary value, and therefore the kiddushin is good, and there will be no proof for uh, tovatanaa or not. However, apparently Ravunat does not agree with that interpretation, and so therefore he said, "Oh, to- tovatanaa is mammon." How do you know? Because he's reading the Mishnah as uh, according to its Peshat. This is actually quite important because even though from the first part of the sugya. It um, uh, sounds like, oh yeah, we Ula, he is here says something. We yes, challenge him. Olah gives an answer. He says, oh, it's talking about only a case of the inheritance. So we would think that I guess this is the meaning of the Mishnah. Olah would certainly know what the meaning of the Mishnah is. It has to be so. But now we see that, and actually, not everybody agrees. Olah was forced into that interpretation of the Mishnah because of his general view that tovatanah enamamon. But those who do not agree with that, uh, they don't have to interpret the Mishnah according. To that ukimta, which is uh, forced to say the Mishnah is only talking about that. Oh, well, you, you should have said that in the Mishnah if you're only really only talking about a case of someone who um, inherited and not a general case, which is really what the Mishnah sounds like. And so that's what Abuna says. Okay, you're following that interpretation, but I don't have to follow that interpretation. Okay, now Hagonev uh, again, shel lo demeti shel B. We now cite a Tosefta in Ma'aser Sheni that says, if a thief Steals tebel of his friend, untithed produce of his friend. Um, now, let's say the all the produce that he stole was worth $100. And now, when he comes to pay back, he has to pay back the full amount, all $100, uh, according to The Uda Nasi. the says, No, he only has to pay the holin that is within it, not the to the manma said. So, in this example, let's say it was $100 altogether of tebel. Now, really, the owner would have had to take out, let's say, 2% for Tiruman, 10% for uh, Maase. Let's just uh, focus on the Maase Rishon. And so there really really would be um, uh, 12% that he has to give away, and the rest, 88%, would be Holin. The thief only has to pay back $88 why well because that's the amount that 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 amount he stole and the owner can say well you stole this from me it's mine give it back to me the other 12 however doesn't belong doesn't belong to the owner all right because the owner has doesn't doesn't he doesn't own it himself it's to the mama said that he has to give to the kohen levi so the owner can't claim it from the thief And a a Kohen or Levi cannot claim it from the thief thief either because the thief could say, Well, I don't have to give it to you. I can give it to another Kohen. He doesn't have to give it to any particular Kohen. So no particular Kohen has jurisdiction to bring him to court to say, You owe this to me. And therefore, the thief gets away with um, 12% of his thievery because there is no uh, claimant who can say that this is mine. Um, and so, in terms of the monetary value, I mean, if the thief is a uh, is a Israel and it, he'll uh, violate eating toromah and so on, but um, uh, he doesn't have to pay any particular person back. Okay, very interesting. Uh, Baraita. Now, what, How is it relevant to us? My The most about amamon umor and amamon. Since you brought up the topic of tovatanaa, it seems that it's a tanaim. We saw that the amora'im arguing about it, but it seems that this is that the essence of this as well, uh, because we have the bihuda he must think that tovatana'a, the benefit of discretion, it has monetary value, and therefore the owner can go to the uh, thief and say, you owe me not only the 88 dollars, you also owe me something for the Tiruma and Ma said that was within it. either he should pay back the whole thing because he says well, I want all that twelve dollars back because I want to be able to give it to a to, to a Cohen or to a Le, and to a levy of my choosing and I get I get a benefit of saying of them saying thank you from it or he could say at least give me the benefit. how much is that benefit worth right? Maybe it's worth uh, one dollar uh, for that for the that discretionary value. so at least pay me back uh, that much. That would be to be. And uh, Rabbi uh, Yose, uh, be, 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 the son of Rabbi Uda, uh, he says, No, Torvatana is not worth any money, and therefore the owner cannot claim anything of the te, of, of the Turman Mased from the thief. So are they arguing about that? We say, Not necessarily, because we don't really want any of the Amoraim Amor to be totally on one side or totally on the other side of a Tana'edic debate. So he said, La de Kula and Amamon really could be. That they all agree that, like with Ula, that is not has no monetary value. Um, and so what is the argument here? We're talking about a case of in not of it, that it was his own produce that he has to take to the Mal Masad, but rather it was Tebel that he got his inheritance from his maternal Kohan grandfather and we are uh, and what what are they arguing about? So therefore, I mean, therefore he has ownership of it, but they're arguing about whether at, at, at a stage of something is Tevel, is it as if it, the Tuman Mased already separated or not? And so here, the Biuda nasi considers that as if it's already separated. Since it's already separated when the grandfather owned it, so now he has ownership of Tiruma when he dies, so then um, the grandchild can inherit the monetary value of, uh, of that. And even though it wasn't yet separated, it's as if it's separated, and it already is Tiruma, so that's fine. Whereas, the son of the thinks that if it's not yet actually separated, um then it's not considered to rumamased it's just tebel and so therefore if the grandson inherits tebel he has his own obligation to separate to rumamased and once when as soon as he separates it it belongs to it uh, doesn't belong to him he has to give it to a kohen Uh, or a levy, and therefore uh, this case of inheritance would be, according to the Bioseh, the same as if it was my own produce that I got, because a tebel that I receive or tebel that I grow has the same uh, law, and uh, once I separate it, I don't own it, and therefore the thief does not have to return it to me. Okay, that's that's a possible interpretation. Or, we have a few interpretations. Maybe everybody thinks that it's it's as if it's already separated. And also, everybody thinks that the benefit of discretion does not have monetary value. So, what is the discussion about? Shemuel says that even though you're supposed to give two percent, about two percent, one fiftieth, one fortieth, one sixtieth of the grain as teruma. But uh, from the letter of the law, middeorayta, even if you just take one grain and give it to Kohen from a big pile, just one grain, that is sufficient. Um, that's what Shemuel thought. So the Biudanasi can follow Shemuel B'udanasi before Shemuel, but it means he would agree with the same opinion, and therefore the owner can come to the thief and say, Listen, I was planning on only giving one measly grain to the Kohen. I'm very cheap, and therefore you stole 99.9% uh, of what I wanted to give. Therefore, you have to return everything Okay, except one grain. Uh, you can keep, but you have to return everything because Legally, I could have um, uh, fulfilled my obligation of tzedak with only that much. And uh, the Rabi uh, uh, does not agree with Shemuel. Rather, he thinks that he has to give at least uh, a sixtieth of the grain, and therefore he has to give. Um, uh, the owner could say, "I want you to give me back all of the rest of it," um, but he doesn't the uh, the 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 part of it. But the thief does not have to um, give back. The amount of the tiruma, which, w- which is a significant amount. Okay, or another interpreter. Maybe in fact everybody, no one disagrees. No one agrees with Shmuel, and uh, so now he has this uh, this tebel that he separated and made a terumah. Um and uh, he has to give this. Uh, the owner would have to give this terumah, and The Tiruma has to be a substantial amount, about two percent. And everybody agrees to that, so what's the argument? this is in, you're right in fact um the owner should not have to pay back because he stole something that doesn't belong to the owner and so he doesn't have to pay it back but this payment uh, and that's what B says that's opinion he doesn't have to pay back and B here he said that we should it's a banan penalty against the thief we don't want a, a thief to be able to steal and benefit from it oh i can go and steal and even if i'm caught well I'll, he'll come and confess as so though i only have to pay back And 90% of it, and I could keep the rest. No, he should not benefit from stealing. And therefore, we make him pay the rest, even though technically the owner doesn't have a claim to the terumot and maaserot that he separated. Or we could say that everybody agrees that Shemuel is right and all you have to separate is one grain. And that would explain the bi udanasi. That um, uh, the owner has a claim to everything. So I was only going to give a, give away a grain. I didn't care about. I don't care about the Quanim And so, therefore, he has to pay back everything. And then we have to explain the Biose the biuda. He said that we, the rabbis, come and say, you know what, thief you can keep the tirumat and masrot you know why because we want to penalize the owner the owner should not have left this produce in the state of tebel uh, for for a long time he should have as soon as it was ready he should have separated tirumat and masrot if he delayed then he let him lose out on the uh, t- uh on on the tirumat and masrot that he should have separated um, so he shouldn't benefit from delaying it. And therefore, we, the rabbis, say, you know what, uh, thief, keep, keep the change, <laughs> all right? Um, uh, so, because in order to penalize and warn owners in the future, hey, you know what? You're not going any, to any, benefit any at all from delaying separating to the mot and ma'asrot. All right. Tenan. Okay, back to our Mishnah. Uh, that we quoted, here's the problem, we have a um, a, uh, a that contradicts it. Uh, so this braita says that someone takes money, accepts payment, uh, a salary, to judge um, the that's uh, no good. the judgment is is invalid. A person who's going to be a, a judge should do it for free. You should not benefit from Torah from doing um, uh, God's work of being a judge uh, to testify. you're going to get paid to testify that's not a good idea. If you see that someone did, uh, did a crime, you should come testify and you're not allowed to get paid if you are if you do get paid. The um testimony is null and void, and if a kohen um sprinkles um para aduma um water that's thezo, or he prepares the para aduma, uh, aduma water and ashes and he mixes it together. Uh, and he gets payment for that, then the water is considered cave water. In other words, it's putrid, not fresh water, not invalid, and the ashes are considered common, regular ashes, not holy ashes. Um, a Kohen should not get a personal benefit payment from doing this holy act of preparing or sprinkling para aduma. Now this is all a challenge to the Mishnah, because in the Mishnah it says if someone has takes a uh, does kiddushin with water of khatat or the ashes of chatat and he gives it to a woman, so now that he gets that there is monetary benefit there, and that's okay. All right, there is monetary benefit in giving this. Here it says if you if you get if the coin gets monetary benefit, then. The whole thing is null and void. So, there is no voluntary benefit. So, how, how can the Kiddushin work? How do we reconcile? Amada be'i lakashah kan kan Kidush. No, no problem. Um, here in our Mishnah, we're not talking about the person sprinkling, but rather just bringing it and filling up the the vessel. This takes time. It takes work. You have to go and go get the water. Uh, you might have to travel a bit. You have to go and um, and fill it up. So, this takes work. So here he is just doing Kiddushin uh, with the value of going and traveling and filling up the getting the water to her so that then she'll be easier for her to um, uh, to receive the Paraduma water so that you can get paid for that has monetary value, right? I could say I'm going to do here's Kiddushin for the value of my labor in doing this for you. That's valid. That's what our Mishnah was talking about. The uh, the source from Bechorot. That's talking about the actual act of sprinkling or uh, or mixing and sanctifying. That you can't get benefit from. And there, in that case, the kiddushin would be no good. And we can actually prove that this is so. This is not, we're not just uh, uh, making an artificial okimta. Uh, Here, our Mishnah says if we do kiddushin with the chatat waters or the paraduma ashes in other words with the items themselves that listen i went i i've traveled all the way over there and i got it and i filled this up and i brought it to you here it is so that uh, that kiddushin works whereas in the source in Bechorot, it says in order to uh, it says to by sprinkling a kohen says here you make a dish to me with the sprinkling of paraduma water, uh, padat, 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 aduma water that I'm doing to you that uh, uh, although he's doing something good nice for her that she is now uh, becomes pure he cannot get any benefit from it and if he does get benefit then the whole thing was nullified to begin with so there's no monetary value at all or for preparing it for her and so you see that that the language of the Brita is exacting Shema and so now we understand both of these cases